Welcome to Fine Rambles, number, (laughs) what number is this? 139. Did you guys make any New Year's resolutions this year? I used to make them, and then I discovered that I never, ever followed through. (laughs) I think New Year's resolutions are useless because there's something too premeditated about them. They're They're for things that you don't actually want to do. And if you actually wanted to do those things, you wouldn't have waited until January 1st to start. You would have been compelled to do them earlier. Do you guys know, uh, what's his name? Do you guys know David Goggins? He's this like totally insane, <laughs> totally insane fitness guy who, who embraces the suck. And his story in his book is pretty remarkable. He was, he was fat, not, not overweight. He was fat and he had just the worst job in the world. He was an exterminator. He would go around at night to fast food restaurants and spray for for bugs and mice. And one night, cockroaches rain down on him. (laughs) Like he's caught in a downpour with legs. He doesn't wait for New Year's to make a change. He was driven to change his life immediately. We know when it's time to make a change, because it won't be something that we decide. It won't be something we plan on. The change just compels us to pay attention to it. What else is going on? Here's an idea I've been thinking about a little bit. It's a pretty dark idea. And the idea is that there are certain innovations, like agriculture. I think agriculture is a good example. There are certain innovations that make a society worse, but give it power. So agriculture almost certainly was bad for the society involved as a whole. Most people had their health decline. The work got more strenuous and there was a lot more of it. There was a lot more fragility in the system, but... The result was you could have higher density of people, which meant you could have more people, which meant that you started to have a class system and you could have dedicated soldiers. And this meant that the societies that developed agriculture first, most people were worse off, but they were able to go out and conquer other societies. They were able to go destroy non-agricultural societies. So let's say you're in one of these pre-agricultural societies and a little demon comes up to you and tells you the secret of agriculture. Well, you have no good options. Let's say you ignore the demon and you don't develop the technology. Well, the demon is going to tell someone else eventually. Someone else will eventually discover agriculture. And then you get genocided, (laughs) basically, by a more powerful society. Or you use the technology, you develop agriculture, and you create what's essentially a dystopian society. There are no good choices. Now, that's an info hazard, (laughs) right? That's knowledge that should stay secret, 
that's knowledge that once it's seen can't be unseen. You know, kind of like the Hungarians who escaped from Hitler and ended up in the desert of New Mexico in 1944 and 1945. And when they delved too deep, the whole world paid the price. What's the line that Oppenheimer quoted? Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. It's strange to think about the people who started searching for an atomic bomb. Because curiosity is almost certainly a a religious trait. Does that make sense? The search for truth is a religious trait. Now bear with me here, (laughs) because I'm not entirely sure where I'm going. But I have this idea that the search for truth means at some level that you have faith. You have faith in a benevolent God or just a benevolent universe, because otherwise you'd be too terrified to look into the dark. It makes me wonder if that's one of the reasons that the only nations who explored the world, who, who created the age of exploration, were, were Christian nations. And that's even though other countries had better technology, they had better ships, they had better maps, but only Christians actually explored. Now, if you think about what those voyages must have been like, it makes a lot of sense that nobody would want to do it. (laughs) I mean, you have these tiny, tiny wooden ships to brave the ocean, the risk of death, the, the terror of the unknown. Who would have done that but someone who truly believed in a benevolent God? Anyway, it makes me think. Here's something else. I'm a weak person. I'm not very robust. I have terrible eyesight. I'm a mouth breather. I have, <laughs> I have flat feet. The list goes on. And as a result, I tend to sympathize with the weak. I tend to instinctively be on the side of the nerds, the losers. But lately, my thinking on this has really changed. And I think woke culture helped to change it. The victim Olympics of identity politics helped change it. 2020 definitely accelerated that change. When strong people get power, they tend to be pretty magnanimous in victory. They're healthy. You know, they're cheerful. They don't hold grudges. They're too busy, you know, living their lives. But when the weak get power... (laughs) Oh boy, watch out. Because they've chewed on the cud of of bitterness for years. (laughs) They have a whole lifetime of, of petty grievances that they just can't wait to take out on you. (laughs) They hate the world. And now finally, finally, they get a chance to get their revenge. So watch out for the weak. I actually wrote a short story that's kind of about this. And I think for the first time ever, I'm going to share with you guys something that I've written. So I'm going to post a link in the show notes to the story. And if anyone bothers to read it, I'd be very curious to hear any feedback. On that note, that's all I've got this week. I'll catch you later.